Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi guys, today we're speaking with Marilyn Ryder, the founder of Yarlap, a vaginal health device that treats urinary incontinence and improves sexual performance for women through muscle control. In this episode, we discuss how Mary Ellen founded her company and brought this product to market in partnership with her father, who was a medical engineer. She'll also explore the challenges of marketing a women's sexual health product in a patriarchal world. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Mary Ellen. How are you today? I'm so good. How are you? Very good. And where are you calling us from? I'm calling from Ohio. Wonderful. I'm from Ohio. Did you know that? (laughs) I did not. Where from? I'm from Columbus. Oh, wait. Hold up. So am I. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love it when this happens. Yes, so excited. Uh, what part of the city are you in? Uh, my family's from Upper Arlington, but we moved to Oxford where Miami is. Oh, um, yeah. Beautiful. Around, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So. Yeah, Columbus is what such about you? a cool city. Um, I lived in Grandview Heights before I moved out here. Um, nice. A lot of my friends live there now. Yeah, it's such a nice place. Um, it's so weird because Columbus gets a lot of flack because it's in the Midwest. Right. But it's such a cool progressive city and it's yeah. so amazing. So many like cool ideas coming out. Um, oh, yeah. It's, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that it helped inspire you start your own, to start your own business? Because it's quite entrepreneurial over there. I think it's becoming that, but I feel like I was on the early end of that because I feel like it just started happening in the past like few years and I've been trying to get this going for a while now. Yeah. But yeah, there are a lot of people like when we were doing like um, VC stuff, there were a lot of them in Columbus, which is really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So neat. So tell us about yourself. So about your childhood, where you grew up, obviously Columbus, Ohio. Um. What did you think you were going to do? Oh, sorry. What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? What were your big dreams and aspirations? I think I was like very weird because I was convinced I was going to be a magical princess until I was about 13. <laughs> but, uh, and then I took one of those tests uh, where, you know, they were like, fill out these bubbles and I'll show you your, based on your personality what job you should be. <laughs> And I thought I was going to be a pediatrician in my heart. I thought I was going to be a pediatrician. And then according to that um, sheet, it said I was going to be either a librarian or a person in marketing, which I think are two drastic different things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got fault with truck um, driver. You, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that shows you how accurate oh. they can be. <laughs> I never took one of those, but I'd like to think that if I did, it would have just said boss bitch. <laughs> oh, that would be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, what they giving that title. <laughs> yes. Especially when you're like in middle school and your self-esteem is like at an all-time low and right. there's like, you're going to be a boss ass bitch. <laughs> yeah, right. You're like, oh, okay. It doesn't matter what 
Jackson said about me in third room <laughs> study hall. Uh, but yeah, that's what I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to be a, a pediatrician. I didn't want to be in marketing. I thought that that was so basic. And, yeah, and now I work in marketing. And now that's what I'm doing. And I exactly now I'm doing that full time. And I'm like, yeah. I cannot see myself doing anything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, marketing's changed and, a lot. To be fair, since we were kids. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I thought that I was going to be in my heart. If I ever won the lottery, I think I would go back and do library sciences, sciences and become a librarian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And so when I was little, I was convinced I was going to be a princess and then a pediatrician. And that's basically like, that's really it. I had my head up in the clouds for a really, really long time. Still kind of do. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Yeah. So you grew up in Upper Arlington, which is like kind of a, I'd say, a middle to upper class suburb, pretty safe and pretty insulated kind of in Columbus. Oh, yeah, it's a bubble. You can yeah, say it. It's, it's a bubble. A little bu- it's a little <laughs> bit of a bubble. So like, how did you kind of get the bug to be an entrepreneur and to take risks like this? So I lived in Upper Arlington for a while. And then my mom became a professor at Miami University and we moved to Oxford Mm -hmm. when I was really young. Mm -hmm. I would say about like five or something like that. Oh, so you had a boss mom. Yeah. That's awesome. And then my mom just kind of like rose through the ranks. She speaks so many different languages. She's a published author. She's kick-ass. Yeah. Wow. And... And she's doing this in, like, a language that's not even her first language. Wow. And I basically just grew up thinking women could do whatever they want. There were no bars, mm-hmm. which I think is very different, um, especially as, like, a, maybe a 90s baby. I was very, very, very lucky yes. to have parents um, who believed that women could do anything and should be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially and, growing up there, because like I remember, like most of my friends had a, had stay at home moms in in Columbus yeah. during that time, and we had to kind of be like, oh, we want careers. Well, what does that look like? And kind of make it up as we went along. Mm-hmm. So you're so yeah. lucky to have had, yeah. had that. That's amazing. Where's your mom from? <laughs> it's actually she's from Tokyo. Oh wow, cool. beautiful. Yeah. Have you been to Tokyo? Yes. Oh, yeah. Every three years we go back to see my mom's family. So How magical is COVID it? kind of messed that pattern up, but, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. So your mom had this kind of professorship. So you um, kind of had that empowered woman to rule. Yeah, and my yourself. dad is was a stay-at-home. Everybody called him Mr. Mom in town. Hmm. He, was a, he, he worked from home. He... Is like the biggest. He's actually the co-founder of VR Lab with me. Wow! Wow! And he, yeah, he's a medical device engineer. Okay. And when I was growing up, parts were parts. Yeah. Okay. You. Everybody else was like, "Oh my gosh, my pee pee," and like, I have a little hoo ha or whatever. And for <laughs> me, I was like, I literally don't know what that means. I know what a penis is. I know what a vagina is. I know what a vulva is. What is everybody else talking about? Like, what? I don't know what a coochie is. What is that? Yeah. And because for us growing up with like my dad doing in that medical device area, parts were parts. There's absolutely no shame in them. If you have a headache, if you have a broken arm, if something was wrong, you go to the doctor, you fix it, you talk to somebody 
you figure out what's wrong, get mm-hmm. to the root of the problem, fix it. It doesn't matter where it is. Right. And I think I'm also very lucky in that sense. And it kind of helped lead to Yarlap because there was never this stigma of vaginal care, right. wellness, intimacy, because I grew up just thinking parts were parts. Mm-hmm. There's right. no shame. There's no stigma. There's no embarrassment. Yeah. And I credit that largely to my dad. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Because at home, there was never this stigma. There was never this embarrassment of any kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why should there be? It's really bizarre how we like mm-hmm. censor this kind of stuff with, yeah. with anyone, with kids, but with humans, right? Like why is, why are nipples, why are women's nipples still banned on Instagram? Yeah. But I was also reading that um, it's actually really important to have children refer to their vaginas as vaginas and penis as penis because in very extreme cases, if they're experiencing abuse and they don't know how, they don't know the actual word for where they're being, you know, like yeah. someone oh. touched my, my, my teddy teddy that for a teacher or someone else that hears that if if they don't know that that's what they're talking about then yeah. you know it's quite dangerous for children not to have that oh, self-awareness that and knowledge turn. yeah yeah mm. well but also like mm. um you know if you do have an issue like you said you know if you have some sort of health thing going on being able to identify where the pain's coming from and that kind of stuff is really important but it's also just really important because mm-hmm. it's their bodies and they should be proud of and grateful for their bodies. And it's just a body part, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, exactly. My thing is, is it doesn't matter if it's if it's your head, if you're if it's your vagina, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's your body and it's a main component of your quality of life. So why are you censoring? Why are you doing any part to hinder that quality? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you and your dad have like co-founded this business together. So Yarlop is, yeah. um, it's a pelvic floor trainer. Is that right? So how did that? Basically, yes. How did that come about with you co-founding that? Can you tell us the story behind how you co-founded it? Yeah. So like I said, my dad and I, when I got my period, it was actually him that I went to. I was like, I'm bleeding. I don't know what's going on. Aww, <laughs> and, amazing. and he was like, oh, don't worry about it. And bless him, he went to the grocery store and got one of every pad, one of every tampon. Aww. And was like, I don't know what you're going to have to figure out what works, but here's what's available. Aww. And um, so he and I have always had this relationship where it is about quality of life and there should never be this issue of stigma and I should never be ashamed about anything. If it came to pelvic floor dysfunction, if I had something that made me feel really uncomfortable and alone and isolated, my dad was always like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, It's part of your life and you need to go and find somebody to talk to about it. And you need to find a doctor who will respect you and mm-hmm. make you feel comfortable enough to talk about it. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful that I had somebody in my corner who was advocating for me when I couldn't really advocate for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And um, to have that in your dad is very, very different. And it's very abnormal, I would say. But I could not be more grateful. Mm. It might and be so abnormal when, for our generation. I wonder if it's going to be abnormal for generations of daughters going forward, though. Mm. I really hope a not. lot about that. Yeah, because there's so much like really out there not. now. Like the old role between or the old relationship between dad and daughter is seems like it's so changed. I don't know. I hope so. Yeah. 
yeah, no, I, I really hope that it's, <laughs> it's going to change and yeah. more, more girls feel that kind of support from their dad. Um, yeah. But with Yarlap, we had a family friend and I guess it's, I don't think it's a Midwestern thing, but sometimes in my head, I associate it with that, but not really a family member, but you call him like aunt and uncle yeah. or cousin, whomever. Yeah. And we had, we had her and she had incontinence um, to the point where it was not allowing her to go outside. She didn't want to go see friends. She didn't want to go on dates. She didn't want to do Aww. anything because she knew the moment that she left the house, she had 45 minutes to get back to the bathroom mm-hmm. before she wet herself again. And she just didn't want to take that because she thought, well, there's so many other different factors. If I get stuck in traffic, I pee in my car. If I go to a gym class and I wet myself, everybody's going to know there's no way I can hide it. And I'm not Uh going to put myself through that. Yeah. And we thought, you know, that there are other devices like the ER lab that my dad helped design for the national healthcare systems in um, Great Britain and in France, Scandinavia that are used to train the pelvic floor Mm -hmm. and are readily available. Yeah. And we ignorantly thought that that was the same thing here in the United States until she went through that and there was just nothing. Really? And we knew that we had the resources. We knew we had the design tools. We knew we could do it to bring that so that she didn't have this issue. But more importantly, other women never had to go through this issue, that they never felt this kind of almost – hostage-like situation yeah. with your pelvic floor. Yeah. And for us, that was really, really important. So it's not something that we went through overnight and we're like, we're going to do this. Okay. And it was like a high school musical, like yeah. jump up, <laughs> cheer. And then it happened. Yeah. Yeah. It happened over a, a huge amount. It happened over years, yeah, thousands yeah. of pages of paperwork. Like we have FDA clearance or a bona fide medical device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it took a long time to get to where we were. And once we were able to, you know, get that FDA clearance, do all of these things, we were able to probably say like, here is something that can really, really help you that aligns with what your doctor has asked you to do, mm-hmm. but you can do it at your own home and like, try it out, do what you got to do. Yeah. And that was really, really great. But also for me, I always assumed that pelvic floor issues like incontinence only happen to older women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my dad was like, no, 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 no. That's actually very false. Go and do a little bit of research and figure it out and see if you kind of want to help bring this company to life mm. um, and do this with me. Because I I was at the time doing an internship for Women for Women International. Mm-hmm. And so I was very heavily involved in women's rights, women's wellness. Uh, and so this just kind of really, really aligned with what I was doing, what I felt was really, really important, what I saw in front of my face that like if a woman's quality of life is good society Mm -hmm. is better yeah yeah absolutely and um so within a few minutes of doing research I realized oh my gosh it's not just older women Mm. (laughs) that that was a big myth I was super ignorant of me and I went in and I even talked to some of my friends and like two of my best friends had this problem but they were like oh it's not incontinence because that only happens to my grandma and I was like yeah no, that's not how that works. But also, there's, <laughs> there's, there's different types of incontinence. Yeah, um, there there are there are multiple different types. Yeah, so um, there's stress incontinence, which is where you, if you like sneeze, for example, or you jump, then you can have a leak. Mm-hmm. Or there's urge incontinence, which I'm thinking that sounds like your 
your family friend had where it's kind of an involuntary contraction of the bladder muscles. Um, is that is that right? It was, I can't yes, remember the other yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, well, I there, have... there are so many of them yeah. and I can't diagnose. I can't be like, this is what they all are. Yeah. Um, so, but it laugh, sneeze, sudden urge to pee. Um, there's also the nocturia, which is you go to the bathroom involuntarily while you sleep. Yeah, but that's a big one as well. And urge is basically a spasm, a muscle spasm, and you involuntarily pee. Mm-hmm. I have lots of friends who like have had babies, you know, because I've been a mom since I was 22. I have tons of friends who like would talk to me about, oh, you know, like one of my friends, I remember we were playing with our kids and she was like, I can't even jump on the trampoline because I, you know, there's a trampoline there. And I'm like, hey, let's go jump. Let's go bounce with them. And she's like, I can't. Yeah. And I'm like, what? You know, and it was <clears throat> really hard for me to understand. I've done yoga since I was in my early 20s. So I've always been very aware of the pelvic floor because of that and always trained it. Mm-hmm. But I felt really, I felt so bad for her because I was like, you can't jump on a trampoline with your kids. Yeah. You know, like how sad, how mm-hmm. debilitating. Oh, yeah, that's extremely common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very common. Yeah. So is this what you were finding of your research when you were asking people about their experiences? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. And then even up until now, um, not only are we like, you know, this bona fide medical device, but for me, it's also just as important to tell women it's okay to talk about this kind of stuff. Because like you said with your friend, like you don't, realize that even your close friends have this issue until it's almost like they have to give up that information and I realized now my a lot of my friends are getting pregnant having babies having baby showers and I'm now known for going to baby showers so basically doing a pelvic floor presentation (laughs) baby showers because I get up on a soapbox I start talking about the pelvic floor and why it's so important but one of my really close friends, she's at this baby shower and she, she is, she's very concerned about this whole issue and she's opening presents, she was opening gifts. And one of the moms was like, oh, don't laugh too hard because you're going to pee yourself. And then another mom said, oh, don't worry. That's just like, oh, that's just a surefire way to know that you're a member of the motherhood club. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's just like I blacked out or what, but I like whipped around and was like, don't say that. Yeah. That's not true. That's so false. Don't scare her. Yeah. It's not about peeing yourself. It's about your pelvic floor muscle tone and where it's at. You can't just look at somebody and be like, well, this is just a card you're dealt with. Have yeah. fun. Yeah. Like, like sorry, that's not ladies. True. You just have to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what? And I'm like, I'm so <laughs> fed up with that as women in health mm-hmm. that we are basically told or we feel and condition ourselves to feel that this is normal. This is the way your body's going to have to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a new normal. This is just the, how the cards were drawn. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, no, there's information out there and it has to be readily available. It has to be easy to understand. And like, you have to know that you have somebody in your corner who's going to fight with you. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me in the pelvic floor, 
I want to be everybody's person in their corner. I want to be the person who's like, you've got this, you're fine. If you have any questions, I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide that conversation with the doctor if you want to have it. Like I will be in your corner to fight with you and be your advocate. Um, Because I think that it's crap that women have to have to feel that way that they have to feel like this is just a card that they're drawn this is just something that they have to go on to this is just part of a chapter in their life like no well and the other thing is it's like dehumanizing like once you've become a mom you're like almost no longer a woman in so many ways like you're now it's like that kind of like what do you mean it's i don't know it's like you're a mom so oh you just got to put up with it's like this that selflessness. You lose yeah, yeah, it's like this glorification of selflessness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, well, they wrecked your pelvic floor, but isn't having children a gift? It's like, well, yeah, yeah but I want a nice pelvic floor, you know? <laughs> it's like, and you want to have your own personality right. outside of just being a mom. Kind of yeah, thing. I'm yeah. still a woman. I think, I don't know, it's oh. America's particularly bad for that. In my experience, it was like, oh, you're a mom, so. X, you know, there's all these assumptions that are made about mothers. Um, we're still women, you know. Yeah. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you think about that, about the societal context? Yeah. I do think that we are just basically like told that <laughs> this is, you are now mom first, who you were second. Right, mm-hmm. right. And there is very self-care is now becoming like a really big thing. And I'm very, very happy that it is because I do believe that we all need to have a little bit of self-care regardless of what that looks like, what form it is. Everybody's different. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm really proud that like, you know, some people will take pelvic floor care to be part of their self-care routine. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to put that as number one. Right. Right. And don't, don't feel, my thing is, is like, I'm tired of everybody being like embarrassed Mm -hmm. about taking their health number one, making that a priority. Right. Because you need to be to your fullest extent um, and feel good and feel confident, feel happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Well, and it's not a weakness. Like, you're a human being. In some cases, this just came about because of your biology, the way you were built or whatever. In some cases, it came about because of some sort of accident or pregnancy or whatever. But, like, you're a human being and you deserve to feel good. And there's no shame in having, like, something, you know, that you need to fix or work on to feel good. Yeah. And it's just like if you yeah. broke a leg or something and then you you had like one leg that was like slightly weaker in muscle tone, you would train that leg with like single leg workouts. So it's like the same for a pelvic floor, yeah. like it's like training a muscle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about how it works? Because I think many of us have heard about Kegels and that uh, the whole notion of like doing your Kegels every day. So why would we use Yarlap and what are the main benefits? <laughs> yeah, so... Pelvic floor exercises are really, really important to keep tone in those muscles, maintain continence. And it's not just Kegel exercises. Pelvic floor relaxation exercises are extremely important as well because if you have a a tightened, a hypertoned pelvic floor muscle, a Kegel is probably not going to be your best bet. And you probably don't want to do – you don't want to clench a muscle that's already clenched, right? Mm. So pelvic floor relaxation is also just as important And the issue with that, though, is that (laughs) 
theory is a lot easier than execution. Right. And so these muscles are really isolated. Oftentimes they have no idea what they feel like when they're actually being contracted or relaxed. And we have no way of actually physically seeing it, right? Yeah. Like if we're doing our leg lifts, you can see our legs. If you have a penis, usually when you do a Kegel exercise, you actually see your penis go up and down. Within the vagina, we don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of women, they're told to do Kegel exercises. They're told to do pelvic floor relaxation exercises. Mm-hmm. They're given written information, written directions, um, what have you. And they go home and they either forget how to do it or they're not doing it entirely or they don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. And they think that they're using the correct muscles, but they're not. So they're not getting the benefits. And then they blame the exercise. And it's just like this negative cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the Yarlap, what it does is it goes in and it says, all right, muscles, this is what we're doing. We're doing the exercise. I'm going to show you how to do it. And it does the exercise completely for you, isolates the pelvic floor muscles for you, does the pattern ratio that you are supposed to do. Hmm. It does everything for you without you having to do any guesswork. So you just put it in like a tampon, find the contraction or the muscle movement level that feels comfortable for you. And then that's it. Knowing that the RLAP is sending the signal and doing everything else for you, taking all that guesswork or what ifs right out the window Uh and it's 20 minutes and then you're done. Wow. That's That's amazing. amazing. So is this also, I also had another girlfriend. I talk about sex a lot with my girlfriends. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you, Sylvie, do you? You know I do. We always (laughs) talk about it together. I don't know if everybody's like this, but we talk about this kind of stuff a lot. Um, Just I'm a really open person. Uh, A casual dinner with a glass of champagne. Yeah. (laughs) But I had another friend who had vaginismus. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. so does this, and that is like the involuntary tightening of the vaginal muscles. So yeah. when she was, for instance, you know, trying to be intimate with someone or something like that, she would have this involuntary reaction. Yeah. Like it does, hurts really badly. Yeah. yeah. Does, um, this device work for things like that as well? So the Yarlap has pelvic floor relaxation programs within it. Mm-hmm. We are, since we're a medical device, we're bound by the FDA to follow within a very strict set and like use words that are basically given exactly what we're supposed to be told. Yeah. And we can't move outside of those lines. Mm-hmm. So um, we're able to treat urinary incontinence. Mm-hmm. If your doctor has told you to do pelvic floor exercises, or pelvic floor relaxation, the Yarlap is a really good tool to have because it just does everything for you. Mm-hmm. But that's like one of those things where everybody's vagina is different. Everyone's pelvic floor is going to be at a different tone, what have you. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to talk to your doctor to see if something like this is okay because then you can just do it all at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Nice. So did you, so, okay, hang on. I want to get back a little bit. Like this is obviously an incredible device and it's really important. And <laughs> um, it's, it's super important for the well-being of women, the well-being of, you know, really like also, <laughs> you know, if you're going to have babies and you're going to have multiple babies and you cannot, um, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pregnant with my third baby right now, but if your pelvic floor had never healed from the first child, you know, I don't know how I would have gotten through the second 
pregnancy or the now the third pregnancy because you feel like you have to pee yourself all the time mm-hmm. anyway just because mm-hmm. there's an actual human lying on your pelvic floor <laughs> and on your bladder yeah right so that and that's a very normal part of pregnancy even with people who have strong pelvic floors and things like that so there are so many reasons that this is important um but oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to get back to, like, so you said you spent years developing this device with your dad. So once you mm-hmm. finally had your, I guess, I'm guessing you patented your device or? Yeah, we have patents for safety and efficacy. <laughs> Very yeah. good. Okay. And then, so you've got all of that. Like, what was your go-to-market? Like, what? how did you bring this device to market? And, like, how do you continually increase awareness um, of your product and, and get those sales? I won't lie. It was really, really difficult. Yeah. Because, like we were talking about, there is this sexual component. Yeah. And everybody thinks, like, you know, sex, sex and they immediately think of, the act and then they think of porn and yeah. then they're going to think that we're advertising for porn. And I'm just like, no, we had a lot of conversations, a lot of disputes um, and a lot of really uncomfortable conversations Yeah, with platforms where we're like, just because something is within the sexual realm, right? we're working with something that is vaginally inserted does not mean that it is sexual in its component. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't censor it. If you do censor it, it's actually pretty hindering on women's health. Yeah. yeah. And also, why is sexual health bad? Like, why Right. Why is that negative? That's why exactly that what bad? popped into my head when you started talking. I was like, well, one of the benefits of this is obviously an improvement in sexual performance in women. Mm-hmm. And, like, why is yeah. that bad? Like, why don't all women deserve that as well? Yeah. Like, that— we should be able to advertise it just on that alone. I don't know. What did you find? And there were a lot of people that were just like, we couldn't even get into the door because there was just like this whole idea of like, well, there's, there's going to be no marketing in it because you can't market something sexual. So what's the point? Mm -hmm. I mean, they market Viagra. Yeah. Like why can't, like what? There was a huge (laughs) thing. um, And I have to give it up for, the people at Dame, have you heard about what they did? I think it was like two years ago or last no, year. No, I haven't. What it was late is? 2019. They, they're amazing. They're, excuse my language, absolutely fucking kick-ass. <laughs> because She's from the Midwest. Said, That's why know, she excused the ass ball before she dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> she, they went in and they were like, you guys are for the metro transportation um, in New York, I believe it was they were allowed to make billboards, have advertisements for um, erectile dysfunction, for condoms, for whatever you have with that extent. But their their sex toys geared towards women were all disapproved. Whoa. They why? were denied. And they <gasps> were like, why are you allowing this? And they did a whole campaign of why are you allowing this? And it was like a cactus that looks like a penis. Why are you approving this? but not this. And they had one of their own um, advertisements that was, it was so cute. Yeah. And they had a whole campaign where they're like, why are you allowing this, but not this? Essentially, why are you allowing men and not women? What is going on here? Yeah. And they did a whole thing and it it was a great movement, I Mm. think. um, Small. For women. 
everywhere. It was so incredible because they got so many people to look at these these advertisements, this double standard. Mm. Yeah. And really help all of us at the bottom, you know, get get into this door, get into the conversation of saying there is nothing wrong with women's sexual health. There is nothing wrong with women's sex, period. Right. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that has to do with their spearheading the MTA um, and making that why this and not this movement. Yeah, yeah. And I, mean, I really strongly encourage everybody to look at it because it's so blatant and it was beautifully done by them mm-hmm. and I can't give them enough props. Is it called Dame? Dame. Yeah, D-A-M-E okay. and their whole their whole thing with the MTA. Okay. You'll have to check that We're out. We're all going to Google. Because <laughs> it says Dame Products. I can hear, I can hear everybody. Yeah. Hear like typing it. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that, that it was amazing what they did. And I, yeah. if I could see them, if I could get in a room with them, I'd probably just say exactly what I'm doing now and just like gush yeah. and tell them how great and amazing they, <laughs> they are. Because I think that they did pave a huge road for us um, and take a lot of those clearing, those roadblocks away um, of stigma and in advertising mm. for women's health. I mean, there are so many blocks still up, yeah. but yeah. I think that they did a great job of taking down so many and continuing to do so. Like yeah. they, they, it wasn't just them going, well, this is just the one thing. And then that's over. I mean, they're still doing it. They're still kicking ass. Like they're still hounding that message. And it's, I, mm. do you know what's interesting? I kind of continually watch them. Yeah, it's interesting to me that people who have a product, companies that have a product rather, that um, it's sexual in the way that it, it it's pleasing to men, the product, right? Like um, erase mm-hmm. your cellulite, do this, do that, you know, um, here's a lingerie brand, right? They'll have like naked women on the subway, right? Like naked mm-hmm. women on these massive billboards on the subway in lingerie, because it's like a sexual product that pleases men and they'll have, you know, they'll sexualize every male product, Axe body spray, you know, like you'll get all these women if you use this sexy body spray, etc. But when it's a sexual product like yours, like that promotes female empowerment and independence in sexuality, it's banned. Mm. <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> you're like, like wait hold up oh hang on you guys don't you know it's 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 strange to me that this parallel still exists and I wonder mm. how long it's going to exist yeah like can you advertise on paid social or PPC or anything like that like would you get banned on Facebook I really hope not <laughs> you um, haven't tried I know a lot of people do I know a lot of people do yeah um Just I'm in the, I'm in this group there's actually a group and I if anybody is in this um, sexual sex tech femtech tech area mm-hmm. I really strongly encourage them to join a group called the women of sex tech okay um, it's started by a woman named Brie I want to say um, hold on the women of sex tech and it's just this area where women can kind of bound bind together and just say you know this is what we're doing this is a current issue that we all have. Who has this? How can we band? How can we support each other? Wow. Um, I think that that's extremely important right now. Um, Sex Noir, S X N O I R, is the president of it. Yeah, and she she is doing it. And then there's also Allison, who is 
very heavily involved as well um, for the women of sex, sex tech. And if anybody's in that area, if anybody's looking to be in that area, I strongly suggest getting a membership to it because it's, it's a safe place where we can kind of come up with ideas and band together and really help each other out because there yeah. is a big stigma. There is a taboo against it mm-hmm. still. Wow. Yeah. And so it's really nice to have like this group where it's like, okay, these people are in my corner. Here's yeah. how you can get around it. And here's how you can bring your product to market more successfully. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they're all, they're all amazing. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you look at, you look at who's all in it and you're just like, oh my gosh, these they're doing so much for women's sexual health for just in, in health in general. And yeah. it's, it's really great. And I strongly recommend anybody who is looking to go into that area to look into it. Speaking yeah. of femtech, you won the Women's Health Femtech Awards in 2018. Ooh. How did, yeah. um, congratulations. How did, how did that <laughs> come you. about? Was, was that, um, yeah, did they find you? Was I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I I uh, got an email from the editor of the wellness section, the health section. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, you've been nominated. And I remember thinking, how, how? Uh. <laughs> um, but I might have emailed everyone, every writer I could find multiple times. So maybe somewhere that email landed. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that for women or anybody who's going into this area, like don't give up because you will get a lot of no's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are some days where I'm like, oh, this would have been so much easier if I was doing something else. Yeah. And then I'll get an email where it's like somebody will tell me how their quality of life has changed, um, that they're allowed to we had one woman who emailed us and said that she's finally able to <laughs> hold her um her grandkid oh not the baby just like hold her grandchild who's you know like six and she's finally able to do that without being terrified of peeing herself Aww. and I was like you know what it doesn't matter that <laughs> the nose on the emails just giving her that ability to do that, to be a tool to help her get that. Yeah. I'll take a few no's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll take the shit, right? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like when that but happens, think, screw the haters. Like you're doing something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like to be, and I'm so proud because to be part of that story, to be the tool that helped her get there. Cause ultimately it was her that did it. Yeah. Yeah. But to be the tool that helped along the way. All right. I'll get rejected. It's okay. Oh, that's amazing. I would like to say if anybody is working in this area is trying to do it, you will get no's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. You'll get a lot of them. But don't break down. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Where can people find you if they want to try the Y'all Up for themselves? Uh, Y-A-R-L-A-P dot com. And we're also on Amazon as well. But that you can find us if you got any questions, shoot them at us. It's okay. There's no shame. Absolutely Beautiful. not. Thank you so much for joining us, Mary Ellen. This has been great. Oh, this of has course. been lovely. Thank you. Oh, take <laughs> yeah, care. Yeah, of course. We're reaching out and connecting on every platform, so keep in touch. <laughs> Absolutely. If there's anything I can do in the meantime to help, just let a girl know. Thank oh, you. thanks so much. Bye-bye. Uh-huh.
Bye. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.